0: You know, I think I've settled on the idea that T-Mobile Park, formerly known as Safeco Field, is the new TROP. Or maybe as Twitter reminds me, TROP West. Obviously, T-Mobile Park is uh, far nicer than TROP, but uh, perhaps the worst part is now there are thousands of people to see the horrors inflicted upon the Jays live in person instead of just what dozens or hundreds. Like, you know, honestly, even worse is that a good chunk of those people are Jays fans who descend on Seattle every single year. They shell out big bucks, not certainly not just for tickets, but for hotels and they stay in the city and they do all the various things you can do in Seattle. And this is what they are treated to. I just like to all you guys out there who went to the game and are on the West coast right now. I am sorry for you because that has got to be just an incredibly frustrating experience. Everyone listening and watching, Incredibly frustrating as well. I'm sitting here at baseball control and I feel incredibly frustrated. So I can only imagine how you guys feel Uh, with the loss today. One win in their last nine games out in Seattle. They were up 7-4 heading to the bottom of the seventh inning and the Blue Jays lose this one 9-8 at T-Mobile Park. Uh, Welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network streaming live on Sportsnet.ca on the Sportsnet app. Show Alley with you. We are taking your calls and text. Phone lines are open. 416-870-0590-188-66-0590-star 188 666 590 ninety on your cellular device. 590 590 is the people's text line. You can text me there. Leave your name and location if you do choose to do so. So I can give you a shout out. Uh the people's text line is always open. Uh I'm not sure about you guys. That was a deep enough hit from Keir to send Merrifield, right? From third base, it's a debatable call. I see, I can see both sides. It was a shallow, a somewhat shallow hit. Top of the order coming up, and then on top of that, the ball goes to of people, Julio Rodriguez, and he has a great arm. But you know, they show the wide angle afterwards. And I, I don't know. He could have made it. They also showed a part of the like the camera kind of honed in on Mayorfield having the conversation with Luisa Rivera after the out. And he kind of like pursed his lips a little bit and seemed to be shaking his head or I don't know, maybe they were just having a conversation about something, but it kind of seemed as though Merrifield thought twice backed up because he did tag and, and kind of bluff his way down to third to throw us offline. And, and Raleigh had to come all the way kind of almost like halfway up the, the line in order to uh, make the, make the tag. So maybe perhaps it would have been an issue had Merrifield gone, but I don't know. It just, it felt, it felt like with a speedy guy, like Maryfield, that's where you send him. It, uh, honestly, it, maybe what baffles me most is that we've seen Luis Rivera with some truly crazy sense over the past number of years, and it almost feels like they were too conservative there. Again, I know Springer's coming to the plate at the top of the order. You hope you make, you have a bigger inning, but uh, I don't know. That's, gonna, that's one of a number of decisions that I think uh, we'll all be second-guessing uh, going forward, because a nine eight loss after you you were up seven four, I mean that's really tough. I see a lot a lot of text here on the text line uh, about Kevin Gossman and and you know th- should he have gone back out and how much eighty seven pitches should he have kept going? Um, for me at least today, I, I was I'm totally on board with Kikuchi having to needing to go back out yesterday. Totally on board with that because he looked very good, even though Teoscar Hernandez had come to the plate and. Kikuchi had not gotten him out at that point in the game, five and a third. I, I I understand in a in a analytic standpoint why they did what they did, but I didn't love that decision from an eye test standpoint because he looked like he had more juice right left to be squeezed from Kikuchi, the Kikuchi lemon yesterday. But uh, today, I, I'm not sure I'll get behind it for Gosman because Velo significantly down, even when he departed the ball game, the Velo had not really ticked back up. He given up four home runs today. I don't know. It's uh, it's I, I, I can get behind like nine out of 10 times. I can get behind Schneider needs to let these guys pitch longer, but Gosman, eh, given the, given the side discomfort thing. And again, the four home runs, I'm not sure this was the game you wanted to be playing with it. The final line for Gosman: six innings, five hits, four runs, all of which were earned because they were all solo home runs, uh, nine strikeouts, no walks. It was the first time in his career He allowed four home runs in a game. And like you guys, I was very much interested to see what Gosman looked like today. Side discomfort taking him out of the start right after the All-Star break. And of course, at this point in the season, no players, position players or pitchers are 100% healthy. But given that he had not pitched in two full weeks prior to today, July 8th was the last time he was on the mound. I obviously, it's not just you or I looking at Gosman's start with a high degree of interest, but also Ross Atkins, right? Like the whole rotation is kind of under the microscope because Alec Manoa, who pitches tomorrow, now is is a bit of a question mark. Still, uh, he, uh, pardon me, you say Kikuchi typically does not go longer than five innings that often. Hyunjin Ryu coming off Tommy John, uh, of course, Gosman's an ace, but the discomfort probably does cast the rotation in a slightly different light. Because if Manoa continues to struggle, it's not a sure thing that Ryu can come back and compete consistently right away. Even if they do move to a six man rotation, and we'll talk about the whole Ryu thing with some of the news about Ryu a little bit later on but uh you know Gosman you kind of have to know what you have it's July 22nd the trade deadline's on August 1st you kind of need to know what you have right like the fastball velo for him way down in this one like his fourth seamer if you look like at hover's anywhere between 96 to 99 miles an hour usually around 98 he can tick it up to 99 if he has to but 96 to 98 miles an hour today it started off at 89 miles an hour to JP Crawford in the first inning. He got it up to 94 against J Rod. We saw it spike up to about 95 and other putaway pitches, but for the most part hovered between 91-92 miles an hour. So again, perhaps a side effect of the side discomfort that had been in ailing him. And you know, I mean case in point, right? The Cal Raleigh home run was a four-seamer that was not well located. It was 91.6 miles an hour on the very next pitch to Dylan Moore, another four-seamer 89.9 miles an hour, it was also not also not well located, but you can probably get away with it a little more if the velo is up and you induce lesser contact. That was not the case today. And the second Raleigh home run was also off the four-seamer and also around 91 miles an hour, 91.7 miles an hour for the second Cal Raleigh home run. There's always one guy per team that hits the Jays well. We know about Ryan Mountcastle. I think Yoshida has almost become that guy in less than a year somehow for Boston. Somehow Higashiyoka is sometimes that guy for the Yankees. And Cal Raleigh now for Seattle. He just smashes the Jays. Like he has more home runs against the Jays than any other team in baseball. That includes the postseason, and they're not even in the same division as him. Like that's crazy. The other two teams are the Guardians and the uh, Athletics, and he has eight home runs against the Blue Jays. I think it was five and four, or five and three, against the A's and the and the Guardians, which was flashed on the TV broadcast. But uh, you think after a certain point they just stop calling for fastballs against Riley, right? Like I just stop. Just if the velo is down, stop throwing him fastballs. Just don't do it. Throw him any other bitch. Throw him eight splitters in the dirt. I don't care. Better to walk the guy and make him run the bases than to throw him another low velo fastball. The J-Rod home run was off a splitter. Uh, velo was down on that one too. 82.9 miles an hour splitter down from 3.2 miles an hour from the season average. But maybe that one was more on the location. It was kind of like middle, middle, right? But just overall, velo was not there for Gosman. We have seen that before as the season goes on. I've heard him say a bunch of times, hey, look, it's the middle of the summer. It happens no one's going to be a hundred percent i I totally get it, but perhaps not to this degree which is why you know I, I I'm not going to get behind the gosman should have gone longer narrative today specifically even if sometimes there are days where he's at like a hundred pitches and I think to myself yeah he can still go today specifically though I, I'm not sure i'll uh, I'll go there too too long all right let's go to the phones 870 uh star 590 on your cellular device one triple A triple six zero five ninety Five ninety five ninety is the text line. We'll get over to the text in a couple of minutes. But let's kick things off with Billy and Markham. Billy, what's on your mind?
1: Hey, show. How are you today? Yeah, show. I, I definitely agree with you uh, about the runner on um, third base. I mean, I know it was going to be a close play, but we've sent guys all year. Yeah. And if they do send them, that throw was way off, way off the base. He scores easily. I think it's just a matter of whether you were going to send him or not. But what I didn't like was uh, Kevin Biggio standing on first base. when. They, now, I know he gets to second on the – where they where they don't throw down, and I don't know why Seattle's letting him steal second base uh, t- to be the winning run, but that's that's on them. But, I mean, when he throws the ball like that where there's no cutoff man in place, uh, Biggio's got to be standing on second base on that throw. But uh, whatever, it, it, it didn't happen. But – you know, the, the reason for me calling here uh, today, show is very simply put. There's one guy that I just love listening to, and that's Buck Martinez. And, Buck, I know you had your, you know, the problem with cancer before, and we're all happy, uh, you know, we're all ecstatic that you beat it. But I just really wish Buck could do all 162 games. This guy is not afraid to rip into the Blue Jays in a good way. He, kn- he just knows the game inside out. You can tell he managed, and he'll just – when the Jays do something wrong, he will jump all over them where I think that, you know, no offense to the rest of the broadcast crew, but they seem to go in defense mode and, and, and try to, um, you know, try to protect them. But one thing I want to just tell the announcers and I hear this over and over and over again, this is one of the best hitting teams in baseball. This is one of the best bullpens in baseball. This is one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. Fellas, we're nine games over 500 and fighting for a wild card spot. This team is very good against the Detroit Tigers, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the bad teams. When we play against the good teams, the very good teams, this, te- this team becomes exposed. And it's got to change. It's really got to change, or I- I'm telling you, it's going to be a short season for us. That's so all I got, you.
0: Hey Billy, thanks for the call, man. Thanks for joining me here on Jay's Talk. Yeah, look, I, I first of all, I'll never—you'll never hear me say a bad word about Buck Martinez. The guy is uh, absolutely phenomenal, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm more than happy to take a, a Buck color call or, even a play-by-play call if they want to give Dan some time off on TV. Um, I admit I did not hear what Buck said because I was in here listening to the radio version, radio call. But uh, I I do wonder, you know, just in a general sense about Billy's point about what what this team is. I do believe they're a playoff team because they're they're basically, funnily enough, after the same amount of games last year to this year, I think that the record is only off by maybe one win, I, I think, which is pretty crazy. Yesterday, it was, I, I, I forget what it was after yesterday's game because yesterday it was identical. So I'm not actually sure if, they, if after the same, same amount of games, they won or lost the very next one. But either way, it's only off by a win or loss by one game. I do think this is a playoff team. And I remember I've had this conversation with Caleb Joseph a number of times, and and certainly a lot of our other broadcast analysts or other people who come on the station here and there and talk about their experiences as as ball players in Major League Baseball, whether or not they played for the Blue Jays. But I hear often about making the playoffs itself is the real challenge because the playoffs are a complete crapshoot. with so much randomness and chaos inserted into every single playoff game. But I do believe this team is a team talented enough to make the playoffs, but boy, it, I'm not sure they're a world series contender. Cause those are two different things, right? <laughs> they're, they're absolutely two different things. Like I think if you, if you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, for example, I think a lot of people would agree they're in a different spot than, than the Toronto blue Jays, for example, or even maybe even the Tampa Bay rays. Cause the rays have really come back down to earth lately, but boy, I don't know the team. It it, it does feel like they just can't get out of their own way sometimes. And the bullpen Case in point today, I mean, the bullpen has been very good most of the season, right? Nate Pearson in the seventh, though. Pearson got hit hard from the bottom of the order. He misses with the curveball a number of times against the nine hitter. Jimmy Garcia gets hit by Teo An 0-2 changeup to Tao, like, not really sure what's up with that. Like, when do you ever see Jimmy throw a changeup? He has a near-elite fastball, and you're having him throw maybe his, like, fourth or fifth-best pitch out there. Like, I just—I don't really understand— not putting your relievers in the best position to succeed with their best pitches. And I know he hit a guy as did Pearson. So of course they were a little erratic, like literally as soon as they got on the mound. But I do kind of wonder like when, when it it comes to putting the relievers in the best position and it goes for Pearson as well, not just Jimmy Garcia. Is it the guys themselves and it's on them to actually Throw the ball and get outs. But, like, who is making those decisions? Should Pearson and Garcia, if they're being asked to throw a pitch they're not comfortable with, should they be shaking off the catcher? Is it Kirk, the one calling for like a changeup, an 0 2 changeup to Teo? Or is he being told to call a changeup from someone else? I honestly have no idea, but it is infuriating because it felt like to me that both Pearson and Jimmy were not being put in the best position to succeed because. Again, I mean, unfortunately, it's two nights in a row Jimmy Garcia gives up some big-time runs in big-time situations, but prior to last night, Jimmy Garcia had not given up an earned run in over a month. So, I mean, it's not as though that just evaporates in in two games. I mean, sometimes you just have bad games. We've, We've seen that and you'll continue to see that from every pitcher for the rest of eternity because that's just how athletes are, but it's just tough because, again, it almost feels like you get to pick between two of three things, but never all three at the same time. You can have two of... Great starting pitching, great offensive performances, and great relief pitching. Today, I like so, so starting pitching. Seven runs, which is average for this team. Uh, above average, pardon me, including a three home run inning. So you get a pretty good offensive performance, and then you get an eighth run tacked on at the very end. And then the bullpen that has been so good gets blown up for a second straight game. This is from Sportsnet Stats. Uh, Blue Jays' bullpen, this was from after the Jimmy Garcia inning. Uh, the bullpen has a 6.43 ERA in their last 12 games in Seattle. And I said this last night, but the bullpen has been somewhat abused all season long because because I, I, for me, more because of the lack of offense. Less, certainly the factor of the starter not going as long as you want is is a factor. It is. But at the same time, the bullpen does not get a lot of run support all season long so they are they are walking a tightrope literally every single game and i think we are starting to see the cracks show a bit here it would be nice if they could get picked up a little bit but uh, boy the the bullpen outside of jay jackson who i think is i honestly i think is a guy like there was a text here that i'm uh, i am missing out on right now i'm just trying to find it i do apologize um but uh oh here it is maybe it was Mike and Victoria, Uh, just me, I think Jackson has supplanted Pearson leverage wise. I do disagree, Mike, but I do think Jackson has earned a longer look. Kate at T Mobile Park, what more does Jay Jackson have to do to become regular? (laughs) It's a good question, Jay Kate, because Jay Jackson is like more than just a guy. I think he can be something like there's something there enough to at least have him on the team going forward. There probably will be some roster manipulation that involves Jackson because he has an option remaining. So when other guys return, he'll probably go down for 10 days. But I think I'm starting to trust in Jay Jackson more and more when perhaps the bottom bottom of the opposing team's order is due up. Maybe we're starting to sneak him in from low leverage situations to medium leverage situations as we saw today. And I mean, maybe if Jay Jackson had not come in, maybe this game would have been a larger than a one run loss, but uh, I, I do want to wonder what there is for Jay Jackson. What What's in there for his future as a blue Jay, because for a journeyman reliever, you don't often get this kind of thing. Like it's found money for Jay Jackson uh, and for the blue Jays. But uh, I think there there's something there. I, w- I want to continue to see him on this team. Uh, let's continue taking your phone calls. 416-870-0590. 888 666 star 590 on your cell. Uh, Shalom from Scarborough. What's up, man? Welcome to Jay's Talk. Thanks, man. No, you know me, Shlomo. Oh, so, Shlomo, um, yes. Sorry about
2: that. It's all good. You know, it. it's all good. Anyways, a couple things. Like you were just saying, I really hope they don't mess up the situation with uh, Jay Jackson because I thought they disrespected Matt Gage last year too. They have a hard time riding the hot hand with guys with options, and then they burn roster spots on Mitch White because of, you know, pride of making that trade, and they have to make it happen because it was an awful trade. But anyways, a thing, couple things I wanted to mention. The one thing – that i'm kind of frustrated with this team this year is i feel like organizationally they really fumble with keeping players their best like we got three all-stars last year that came back this season not playing well you got espinal kirk and obviously manoa and we have conditioning questions about kirk who's always had them and manoa and then we see brandon barriera i heard blair and barker talking about conditioning issues with him too very frustrating this is the major leagues needs to start from the top down these guys need to take their conditioning a lot more seriously if we want to be a world series team um and then the next thing i want to talk about is i'm very frustrated with the fact that we're burning ryu in, uh, in, in the bison's organization just trying to see what he's what he has we should have brought him up for the, the start tomorrow because we already know about manoa manoa has not shown anything but that detroit that detroit start he was leaving things Right in the zone, but Detroit didn't have the hitters to crush it. And the next start, he got, he got kicked. And tomorrow, we now have a bullpen that's been all stretched out. We could have really used this opportunity before the trade deadline to see Ryu twice before the trade deadline. Now we might see him once. And it also, it's not going to answer many questions with Manoa because he's way too fluky this year. Even if he pitches well tomorrow, we can't trust that. What do you think?
0: Well, I, let me ask you, Shlomo, because I think last I had seen, and I think the news today from about Hyunjin Ryu was that he will join the team in Los Angeles. There's, there's no news as to when he will start, but there's a real chance if he goes on, quote-unquote, regular rest, he could start on Wednesday, which would be the final se- the game of the series against the Dodgers. Is that the right move? Like, Would you do that? Yeah,
2: we got to see what he has. Listen, you got a lot of good pitching on the starting rotation this year. Gosman, up until this injury, Bassett, Barrios, Cucu, even Kikuchi. like whatever candles that Blair was burning for Kikuchi and Barrios, man, he did a great job bringing those guys back to life because I thought they were finished. It was looking really slim pickings on those guys. So we really need to see what we have here with Ryu to know what we need to go and get. Because this trade deadline is going to be crazy, and these Jays don't need to just play a wild card game. If we, if we make a bunch of trades, kill our bad farm even more just to do what the Raptors did, that's going to be very frustrating because look at Baltimore, look at Tampa. These guys have pieces coming up left, right, and center. We don't have much, man. There's a couple guys that are heating it up in the Bisons organization, but we're all clogged up. Like, we can't even see Horowitz. We can't even see Schneider. We can't see these guys. We don't have the – the way our roster is built is now with the same flexibility as Baltimore where you can bring these guys up and give them a look. Like, I thought Horowitz looked really good in a major league uniform, but he doesn't have the flexibility to move him around because we've got Biggio and we've got Belts and we've got these other guys that are on the bench and and, in more important roles. So, it's just – I feel like the Jays are constructed in a way – that doesn't allow them to see what they have in the minor leagues in the major league setting. Not a great team if you're if you're a minor leaguer to to get a look. And I think it's poor roster construction from from Ross or poor philosophy.
0: Hey, uh, Shlomo, I appreciate the call, man. Thanks for joining me here on Jay's Talk. I, it's a good point you bring up when it comes to the the logjam of players because it does feel as though I, I've been banging the drum for Davis, Davis Schneider for a little bit now. I know we always talk about Addison Barger and there you know, heard Ross Atkins talking. Uh, a little bit a couple of days ago about how he is getting closer to where he was after some injury issues earlier this year. He's the number six prospect in the seat in the system, but there's not really a place for him to play. If you w- if you wanted to get him some playing time, whereas the you know Slomo uses the example of the Orioles, they, they have been calling guys up left, right and center and all of them have been getting some time here and there playing time. Of course, the big guys like Gunnar Henderson are just have everyday roles, but other players are playing pretty consistently. I don't know. You really see that for the blue Jays. Uh, right now on on Hyunjin Ryu, um, I do want to get to this because, uh, like I mentioned, he had a pretty good day in Triple A Buffalo yesterday. Six innings pitch, two earned runs, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts on 85 pitches. The fastball averaged 88.4 miles an hour, topped out at 90.8 miles an hour. Uh, Ryu's changeup got seven whiffs on 15 swings, which is his best pitch. So the best pitch looking good, which itself is good. And uh, all that was coming from Keegan Matheson from MLB.com, who also sent out the news along with Arden Zwelling of Sportsnet today that Ryu will join the team in LA on Monday. Uh, he, he probably, I, I do see Shlomo's point in, in, in putting Ryu out there uh, in place of Manoa because Manoa has not necessarily played well uh, so far this entire year. And certainly in his return from the all-star break, it was not a, a particularly a heralded start for, uh, for old Alec Manoa. I, I do actually believe that Ryu will be a factor down the stretch. If, if perhaps not a major factor because, and if he doesn't get the added to the rotation for the Dodgers series, I got to think he will play at some point for them in the majors before the trade deadline. Um, and again, if he, does pitch for him. Normal rest would be Wednesday. And then it actually means that it would likely be his only start before the trade deadline. Because of course there's a day off on the 27th, which means the next start for you would actually be the, it would, it would seem to be the day after the trade deadline. So you're really only going to get one look at Hyunjin Ryu. You got You got to take at least one look. I don't, I'm not sure he's going to solve all the problems in one go, but you got to have him at least pitch once before the trade deadline. Um, I like the idea of pitching him on the Wednesday as well, if only because on the 27th, like we mentioned, there's the off day. You could probably be a little bit more liberal with the bullpen if you felt you had to, and you probably will have to if you're throwing Ryu out there because, again, 85 pitches in his last outing. If, if you push him to 90, you're hoping you get, you're get getting five innings from Ryu, for example. It's the same kind of conversation we've had about uh, Yusei Kikuchi in the past. So perhaps that's the best slot spot to slot him in there, all things considered. Uh, It is interesting because going on Wednesday for Ryu means you can, in theory, like somewhat rejig the rotation if you need to. Like if Manoa struggles on Sunday, maybe there's a skipped start the next time out and you have Kikuchi pitch a few days later. Or maybe you just go to a straight up six man rotation. And I think that's my preference because after the 27th, the next day off isn't until Monday, August 14th. So with so many games coming up for the Jays after this coming Thursday, it might be good to have a six-man rotation to, uh, to lighten that load. Some of the starters in that upcoming 17-game stretch without a day off. A whole bunch of whom, uh, for the starting rotation, are on pace for career highs and innings pitched. So uh, for them to get an extra day of rest here and there, especially for someone like Kevin Gossman, for whom we've seen is, is still clearly dealing with something, that'd be good to see, um, especially ahead of the looming trade deadline. Uh, lots of comments on Nate Pearson And, of course, Nate Pearson did not pitch particularly well today. He he hit a batter. He got knocked around pretty heavily, let up four runs in a game. The Blue Jays lost by one. Let's hear a little bit from John Schneider, who did comment on Nate Pearson and his outing today.
3: I think just kind of locating, you know. He was um, maybe a little bit amped up. Um, A lot of heaters. I think he's a little bit, you know, he's at his best when he's kind of back and forth a little bit. But um, back and forth in the zone, that is. So I think, um, you know, Wong there kind of eliminated the breaking ball. Um, but it just comes down to execution, really. I mean, he's still, you know, relatively young, relatively, you know, it's a kind of a new role for him still, but, um, you know, great stuff, you know, and I think that sometimes you can get by with great stuff. Next step for Nate is just really kind of executing with that stuff. Um, we've seen him do it, and, uh, you know, today was a day you asked him to have a big inning or maybe even an inning plus, um, and it didn't work out for him today, but, you know, I think hopefully he just learns from it and it moves on to the next one.
0: That is John Schneider chatting about Nate Pearson and and, like I mentioned before, he missed with the curveball, he missed with a number of pitches, but you know it wasn't it just he did not have it today unfortunately, and again sometimes sometimes you just don't have it, but I think it is a reminder that as we discuss the top bullpen arms on this team when you look at Romano, you look at Swanson, you look at Trevor Richards, you look at Tim Mesa, who we have not seen so far in this series, and I, if there was one quibble i had with john schneider's bullpen deployment today it is with the bottom of the order coming up and maybe maybe the idea was simply you save meza for a higher leverage situation because you think pearson can get through the the lesser quote-unquote lesser guys and i don't want to call them that because they are the guys who (laughs) ended up doing damage against the blue jays today but if there was one quibble i did have it was going to pearson over meza if only because we didn't see meza yesterday and meza again i know he is a. A bit of a specialty reliever in the sense that he they use him to face lefties, but there was a bit of a pocket there. You could have gotten away with the usage of Meza, and again, again, it does feel it kind of feel like they were just trying to get Pearson continue to get him going because he has played very well as of late. But at the same time, um, a bit of a perhaps a bit of a misstep here for uh, for for Schneider and using Pearson over someone else in that Blue Jays bullpen. Uh, let's go to the text line five ninety five ninety name and location. I see uh, Regan in Regina. He says the Jays need bullpen. Help, probably two bats and a depth starter adding to this pile is the s- scheduled loss with Manoa pitching tomorrow, losing winnable games to a team barely over 500 that you should be pushing out of contention is not good enough. This team is not good enough. They need too much. Uh, they do need changes at the deadline. I, I don't think it, we should necessarily go to the point of seeing a scheduled loss, although as we discussed with Slomo, um, you know, you need you need to see a lot more than we have seen from Alec Manoa so far this season because if you get the Alec Manoa you got against the Padres and you get that tomorrow, I guarantee, I guarantee you all of J-Rod and Suarez and Teo and the rest of these guys, Raleigh probably because that's what he does apparently only hits the Blue Jays, but they're all they will all punish mistakes because they are batters capable of punishing mistakes. I'm not sure that Colton Wong and AJ Pollock and those guys are the the best pitchers in the world at this point in their career. Or pardon me, hitters in the world at this point in their career, but we need better from Manoa g- tomorrow. That's for sure. Uh, more text on the text line. Jen, uh, keying in on something we were talking about before. Jen from Toronto. Uh, who is to blame for Pitch selection. Why was Garcia th- with two strikes throwing a changeup? A baffling decision, Jen. I 100% agree. Same with Romano with too many sliders. Is it on a passive Kirk? Is it on the pitcher? I, I would submit it as also perhaps somewhat on the high performance department. I think that is that is where you kind of have to lean a little bit because it's a baffling decision to have Jimmy Garcia, a guy who can touch 98 miles an hour, throwing a changeup to Teoscar Hernandez 0 2. Like, give the guy your best pitch. It's a baffling decision. Jen also says also George and Bo did squat. I got to say, you know what? Bo sneakily going through it right now. Sneakily. Because he has been so good for so much of this of this year. I think he's been 0-10 so far in this series. That's uh, <laughs> You need more from Bo Bichette if you want this team to contend because he has been so consistent. And, and again, he because he's been so consistent, I do think he gets a bit of a pass because he has more than held up his end of the bargain for the entirety of 2023 having said that in big moments you do need more from bobacheat at least we did get a home run from vladimir guerrero junior today but uh, albeit none of the offense was enough because they do lose 9-8 in the end uh, let's take a quick break when we come back we will go back to the phones if you're on the phone line stay with me we'll get you your phone call we'll also go back to the text line as well 59590 Name and location. You're listening to Jay's Talk back in a flash show alley with you on the SportsNet Radio Network. Time now for the Major League Standings Watch, presented by Bet 365. With Bet 365 you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. Nineteen plus, play responsibly. Ontario only uh, all the games. I suppose the second game for the Red Sox and Mets is still in action right now because they did have to play kind of like one and a half parts of a double header. Thanks to the suspension of the game yesterday that did resume today. So, uh, but all otherwise other than the second game, of that double header is still in action. And uh, right now the Red Sox are up two nothing middle of the third on the Mets. The other games are in the AL East are done. Baltimore holds on for a six, five win over the Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays, of course, losers of that same game. The Blue Jays lose to the Mariners. The Yankees do beat the Royals 5-2. And uh, the Boston Red Sox lost the first game of the doubleheader or perhaps the conclusion of yesterday's game by a final score of 5-4 to the Mets. So with all that having been said, Baltimore 60-38, Rays 61-41. So winning percentage-wise, Orioles are 6-12, uh, Rays are 598 Toronto uh, with the loss. They dropped to 54 and 45. They are 545 winning percentage Yankees just behind them. They are two games back. They are 52 and 47 and Boston in between two games. I suppose they are 51 and 47. That's a quick check of our major league standings. Watch brought to you by bet. 365. All right, let's go back to the phones. 416-870-0590. 590 Star 590 on your cell. Gee, joining us from Maple. Gee, what's on your mind?
3: Yeah, sure. This goes back to <clears throat> yesterday when I was talking about taking Kikuchi out too right. early after 70 pitches and coddling him and taxing the bullpen. And then today, same thing. He doesn't learn his lesson at Schneider. He takes Gosman out after 80, what, four pitches. And I get it was a long inning in between. However, you know, he was in a bit of a groove the last two innings. The guy's a Cy Young candidate. And I wasn't so much upset that they brought in Pearson. Listen, you know, relievers aren't going to be perfect every game. And I get it. He had a bad game. But they should have recognized that after the hit for more, he didn't have his stuff. And you are and you're bang on. You have two guys sitting in the bullpen that haven't pitched in a couple days. Between them, Jackson and Meza have gone 30 appearances, giving up one run. Meza leads the majors in consecutive games without giving a run at 18 right now. And Jay Jackson, like the other text or the other caller was saying. What does this guy have to do to prove himself? Like, why do you have this guy up here if you're not going to give him the opportunity? I think he's pitched. He doesn't have the greatest stuff, but he's pitching well. Like, why does this continue to happen with this team where our manager doesn't have any faith in the starting pitchers, doesn't have any faith in certain relievers, and what really ticked me off is that they they didn't put these guys in. They brought in Garcia on back-to-back. He's been great for a month. I don't blame him for bringing him yesterday, but to bring him in today over these other two guys, was a, another terrible de- terrible decision by Schneider, I thought. And I just want to add one more thing. Um, I think what we have to recognize as Jays fans, we just have to get to the dance. This team t- will play well in the playoffs. They have the pitching. They have the defense. It's up to Adkins to bring in two bats. They're going to need that right-handed DH, whether it's Nelson Cruz. They're going to have to bring in another professional hitting outfielder. And I brought this up yesterday. I don't think you had a chance to bring it up, but I was wondering what your thoughts are on Lane Thomas. Uh, yes,
0: Lane Thomas. That's and what,
3: right. And what? Yeah, and what you think? Uh, you know, what we would have to give up, and do you think he would be a good acquisition? I'll hang up and listen, and uh, you know, let's keep the thing.
0: Hey, gee, appreciate the call, man. Lane Thomas, you're right. I didn't get to that yesterday. I do think Lane Thomas is the exact kind of player plays for the Nationals. 27 years old, so not a super old guy. He's the exact kind of player you want. The Blue Jays to go and target because it allows you to do a couple of different things. Maybe it means Merrifield doesn't have to go into the outfield as much, it means he can be at second base pretty much exclusively, which I think is good. It means you, if you still want to give guys a Kiermaier and Springer or if you want to give Varsho a day off too, albeit I don't think he really needs it because he's a young, a young guy. But if you did want to give any of them the days off, you can have a Lane Thomas out there. I personally, I I, I do like the suggestion of Lane Thomas. I kind of pr- prefer. Another outfielder. It does kind of depend on what these this team does in the in the Los Angeles Angels. But Hunter Renfro, I wouldn't mind seeing Hunter Renfro as a Blue jade. almost feel, but the Lane Thomas, Hunter Renfro type of players does kind of feel as though it's it, it would be in the same vein as a Whit Merrifield acquisition last year. Perhaps a, a teensy bit of a dark horse. You don't really expect it, but could still pay dividends a little bit down the road. I don't believe it will cost. Too, too much, especially for the Nationals. It might be a little easier to get Lane Thomas from the Nationals than it would be to get Hunter Renfro from the Angels because the Nationals aren't you know, not making the playoffs. The Angels at least have a, a puncher's chance, even though they also will likely not make the playoffs. But uh, I, uh, I do wonder about that. It may not. Maybe you heard rumors that Jasper Zulueta might be on the move. Could it cost you Zulueta and another low, lower-level prospect like it cost Yenesis uh, Cabrera to be brought into the organization? If that's what it takes, then I, I do it personally. But, of course, if they're asking for the moon... Uh, you don't comply. You don't, no no way you comply with that. Uh, let's get one more phone call before we say goodbye. Uh, John calling from Toronto. John, welcome to j talk. What's on your mind? Take us home.
1: It's actually John, so, but that's okay. What's on your mind? Uh, no, just um, so I think what the J should do, basically, Vigio um, has been really good. Uh, I think he needs to move up in the batting order. I think he's proven it multiple times now that, you know, in a situation like today, one out bottom of the bottom or in this case top of the ninth, people are on. Uh, he comes through. I think he needs to move up, and I think with the batting order, Springer, I think I think we just have Bichette going up to the one spot, Guerrero at two, and maybe we stringer down to three. I just don't think he's uh, capable anymore of being a starter at uh, batting order number one. So, uh, this is like your thoughts there, show.
0: Sure, yeah, Justin. Part, my apologies by the way, Justin. But Justin, thank you for joining us on Jay's talk, Justin calling in from Barry. Um, I, I, again, I'm not sure the offense today was the problem because they, they absolutely smoked <laughs> Logan Kilbert in that one inning and they, they made the best of it. But I, I, I do kind of agree in the sense that the batting order could use a little bit of a, an adjustment in the sense that I wouldn't mind seeing either Merrifield field or Bobat lead off. Then you have the you have Bo let's say it's Merrifield batting leadoff, and then you have Bo bat second, Springer bat third, Vladdy bat fourth. You adjust it a little bit depending on who the other pitcher is. You get a lefty bat in there in the top four with someone like Brandon Belt, for example. But on a day where you're stacking a lot of righties in there, I, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Merrifield, Bo, Springer, Vladdy, or perhaps Bo Vladdy Springer. Chapman or belt for example in the four spot if depending on how how you feel about having Merrifield at the top of the lineup or Bo at the top of the lineup but um, yeah again I'm not sure I would move Biggio too much up in the lineup he did have a good game today I will say but I I think Biggio is best utilized in the current role which is perhaps a little bit uh, a little bit sparingly Um, I do want to read a couple of texts before we say goodbye I see uh, Jay from London the Chapman's gonna go at the end of the year for nothing as free agency got to look at packaging him for another bat or pitching help we could lose Kiermaier at the end of the year as well. might need new GM by season's end. Perhaps if they don't make the playoffs. It's very possible, Jay. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think Chapman gets moved. If only because I'm not sure what you're going to get back for him. Someone had suggested Scott from the walk-off podcast on the pregame show had suggested with me that you trade Chapman for like Nolan Arenado, you know, prospect and Chapman for Nolan Aronado, knowing that he's making it a bazillion dollars and so on. Again, those are the kind of unlikely trades that you can, you can have fun with. And you guys know, I love my fake trades, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not really sure that's going to, that is going to happen. And I do see one, this from this one from William. Hey guys, made the trip down to Seattle from Toronto. Incredibly tough to be positive deflated. I did want to shout out Alejandro Kirk four or five today. Three of his hits were over a hundred miles an hour exit VLO. Anything that may indicate a potential turnaround for him? Hey, you know what? He played pretty well today. Could have used some of that when the bases were loaded yesterday, but uh, he has played pretty well. I do hope he turns it around sooner rather than later because if they get even like 50% of what Kirk can be certainly 50 percent of what he was last year i think the blue jays will be in a much better situation than they are right now but i appreciate all the calls appreciate all the texts uh thank you for listening to blue jays baseball brought to you by crown rust protection now that summer has arrived it's road trip season make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with crown to the crown.com for a special summer offer today crown canada's number one rust protection for ben shulman blake murphy tom young nick blackmore i'm show Ali. thanks for being with me today alec manoa is on the mound talk to you then